0: Come on, let's put our hands together for Jesus. It's all about Him, amen. Thank you for your prayers for Joshua, our eldest son. Um, when he's n- his number rings on my phone, it's Joshua the Strong because every boy needs to know from his dad, not from a gang, not from a team, but from his dad that he's strong and he has what it takes. So he's had his large intestine removed. The other day, in, he's at the Vincent Polotti. The other day I said, do you need anything? And you know, I visited him between three and four and seven and eight. Can I buy you anything? So the people I'm staying with in Stellenbosch, I said, do you need some wine? Because the Bible says, take a little wine for your stomach. It's only kind of one of the only few medicinal uh, verses in the Bible. And then when I got there later on, I said, no, I didn't bring any wine because I remember they took your stomach out. So (laughs) so he just rolls his eyes. But yeah, he's going to live with a bag on the side for the rest of his life. But we are trusting God that he's going to be Fit and strong. He hasn't had a decent night's sleep in 13 years, you know, and he has three children and a wife. I don't know what you guys are thinking, but Father, forgive them for what they're thinking right now. Forgive all the men here in Jesus' name. <laughs> Pastor Milo and Pastor Allison, thank you so much for your generosity and your kindness. You guys are amazing. I love watching you on YouTube. I don't watch every preacher on YouTube, but I watch your preacher, your pastor on YouTube. And um, I love this church and just love what God is doing. And I love your heart. I'm always inspired by you guys. And Karen and I count it an honor to be your friends and to walk this journey with you. Liberty Church is here for you. If we can help you in any way, we're here for you, you know? Amen. Amen. Are you ready for the word? great but before we do i want to ask you to won't you everyone stand we're going to face this way and we call all the people that live in that direction that don't know jesus to come to know jesus at prodeo church and everyone said and let's turn that way and we pray for all the people that live in that direction that don't know jesus they will find jesus in a church or this church in jesus we call them to salvation amen Let's turn to that way. Well, all the people that live in that direction, Lord, you know who they are. You know what they're going through. We call them to Jesus and to salvation, and we call them into Prodeo Church in Jesus' name. Everyone said. And lastly, this direction. We call all those people that live in that direction, Lord, in Jesus' my name, the rich, the poor, the young, the old, every person, no matter where they've been, no matter what they've done, that they matter to you. May they come and find Jesus and find a place here at Prodeo Church. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Okay, so I, I, I bounced off. I don't know what to preach, but then I, I thought I'd bounce off uh, pa- uh, Pastor um, Marlon. I said, I want to preach on how do Christians live in a cancel culture? I don't know if you know what cancel culture is. So, ca- whether you're on social, if you're on social media, you'll know what cancel culture is. If you're not on social media, you will realize that we live in a culture where we get canceled. So cancel culture refers to the practice of withdrawing support or canceling people, usually public figures, after they've done or said something destructive, distasteful, or morally disagreeable, even if it's done years ago in their youth. Initially it brought to the surface some seemingly untouchable, undesirables, whose fame and fortune gave them carte blanche to be abusive, toxic, and unjust without suffering any kind of consequences. But these days, everybody, from politicians to pastors, from actors to athletes, from comedians to commentators, are being socially canceled based often on one post or one wrong tweet or one wrong tone or one wrong opinion or one wrong decision or one wrong anything. In some cases dirt from 20 years ago or 200 years ago is being dug up and re-revealed for the world to see. If you've ever screwed up in any kind of public way, in any point at any point in your life, it's very possible that you may be the next to get canceled. You are one post away from being canceled. While we've seen this primarily happen with well-known people who have done harmful or objectionable things, we'll also experience being canceled in our own lives. At some level, we have all felt the pain and the shame of being written off based on things we've done or we've failed to do. We've all been unfriended, betrayed, dismissed, rejected, cast out. We've all felt canceled by someone. But before we get to self-righteous, we've also canceled others, haven't we? We can get sucked into cancel culture. By remembering people primarily for the scandalous or unacceptable things that they've done or the specific ways that they have hurt each one of us. And therefore, from our vantage point, that's who they are fully and finally. They are beyond the scope of our forgiveness. They are beyond the scope of our Redemption or our compassion. We don't give them a second chance. There's no grace from us. In cancel culture, any failure secures one result. Banned for life. Our counter-cultural savior, Jesus, will have none of it. Jesus called cancel people his friends. In fact, his circle of followers included a betrayer, a thief, and a prostitute, just to name a few. He was unwilling to cancel the worst of the worst, the dodgiest of the dodgy, and there are lots of them at Pradeo, and the guiltiest of the guilty. He moved towards those whom society moved away from. He befriended, he loved, he touched the outcast, the misfit, the leper, the liar, and the sexually deviant. He refused to reject those who who had been rejected he refused to denounce those who had been denounced and he refused to shame those who had been shamed in fact it was the governing romans of the time and the religious fraternity that tried to cancel jesus now, there's one kind of cancelling, however, that Jesus was all about. It's found in Colossians 2 and verse 14. Do we have that scripture? Colossians 2 and verse 14. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has tangled it away, nailing it, to the cross Jesus has cancelled all your sin your past sin your present sin and your future sin all your sin and my sin has been cancelled on the cross how good is our God come on that deserves some applause he's cancelled your sin when you believe in Jesus you are set free from all your past present and futures even my future sin yes because when Jesus died for you 2000 ago years ago all your sin was in the future Because you were in the future. Okay. How good Good. is our God? Now, Tullian Chavidian, who is the grandson of the late, great Dr. Billy Graham, said this. The big difference between Jesus and cancel, cancel culture is that while our culture, including the church, cancels people who have done terrible things, Jesus cancels the terrible things that people are canceled for. How good is that? I mean, just let that set and sing, settle into your soul. Then the next time we sing, then sings my soul. I love the way you sing. I mean, this, wasn't the band good this morning? Weren't they great in leading us in worship? I'm going to book you for my funeral, man. You guys are awesome. I'm going to go like that. You know what I mean? I mean, as, then sings my soul. Listen. Listen to what he says. He says, the sins and the scandals that cancel culture chooses not to forget, Jesus chooses not to remember. That's the Savior that we serve. That's the Savior that we worship. Now remember the church as a whole has a reputation for being judgmental and canceling people. The church is notorious for cancelling young ladies who get pregnant out of wedlock. As though they themselves did it all by themselves getting pregnant. Have you noticed? We even had a radio DJ a couple of years ago that that laid into young ladies at high school who are getting pregnant pregnant to get out of school as though the ladies did it all by themselves listen as far as i'm concerned there was only one immaculate conception that was mary we take it out on the girls but where's the guy and how dare we as the church and i know of pastors and i know of parents Who throw a child out because they made one mistake. As though we as parents have never made a mistake. We as the church have never made a mistake. How judgmental. How self-righteous. We need to have compassion on young people who don't, who make mistakes. and Get rid of the religious stench of self-righteousness. Lady at our church said that when she got divorced... Her church canceled her. It's taken her four years to get back into church. What is our problem? We cancel people who struggle with same-sex attraction. A couple of years ago in the 90s, with the AIDS pandemic, we had a lady who was a high-ranking officer in the Zambian Defense Force came and spoke at our church about the AIDS pandemic. We have three AIDS orphan homes in Johannesburg. We serve AIDS orphans widows and orphans all over africa and um she came to speak to us and she said that um her pastor canceled her pulled her out of the choir and said she couldn't come to church anymore because she refused to be intimate with her husband who while she was traveling as a high-ranking um Officer in the Zambian Defense Force around the world. Her husband was sleeping around with other women in the height of the AIDS pandemic, and so she refused to be intimate. And because she refused to submit to her husband, her pastor cancelled her. Her husband is now dead, and she's bringing up the children herself. Listen, young ladies, Ruth found her Boaz. Don't marry any banana. Even if he's a born-again banana. I've been a pastor long enough to know that people get born again, but they're still bananas. They might be saved from their sins, but they're still making bad decisions. And there are lots of bozos in the church of Jesus Christ. So you've got to wait for your Boaz. And don't, don't get, go and marry some lazy ass. Or some cheating ass. Or some dumb ass. Okay? Wait for your Boaz. You know what I mean? I'm not going to tell you, to say to yourself, well, I'm not going to marry some cheating ass, some lazy ass, and some dumb ass. I'm going to marry my bow ass. If you don't understand that joke, ask the pastor afterwards. <laughs> Friends, our, ch- our job in the church is not to judge, but to love people. God is the only true, fair, just, and righteous judge. Now that does not mean... That we cannot hold people accountable whose behavior is deviant and destructive. But there's a difference. Cancel culture takes isolated, often time-capsuled events and comments and makes assumptions without any consideration or understanding of the context, the facts, or mitigating circumstances. Then someone goes on and makes judgmental accusations to self-righteously declare a verdict of canceled, as the sole judge, adjudicator, and jury, and as though they are God themselves. In the church, when it comes to accountability and to resolving conflict, there is a process. Jesus spelled it out in Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 to 20. He says, when you get offended by someone, don't go and spread your offense on social media and tell everyone else about it. Did you know what they did to me? Or post some criticism." Jesus said, you don't take your offense to the world. You go to the person who offended you, and your goal is always reconciliation, not cancellation, or obliteration, or ostracizing. You go to the person, and you ask them, listen, you said that or you did that. And by the way, three great words to always use in conflict resolution. Help me understand. Maybe you misunderstood Communication, you learn this at Varsity, Communication 101. It's not what you say, it's what the other people hear you say. And people have got filters, they've got experiences, they're going through stuff, and they hear things differently to what you say. And so we've got to live in a community like a Prodeo church, a family, where we can bring clarity and restoration and reconciliation. And we clear things up We say, listen, you said this. Help me understand what you are meaning. Then Jesus said, if that person won't reconcile or engage in the process, then take two or three others who have the same values and same goals as you that you want reconciliation, not cancellation. In a community, that's why it's important to be part of a life group, part of a a church team, a church family, so you can live in healthy community. Because life is messy. Stuff happens. The yogurt hits the fan every now and again right so we need to and then the about Jesus says now if they won't listen to two or three or four of you then you take it to the church leadership now, I've done this in my life before And then as a church leadership, you cannot violate community. In the early church, the worst thing for a believer is to be outside of a church in a pagan society. Because there's no no salvation outside of the church in a pagan society. And I want to tell you, we live in an increasingly pagan society. A post-Christian society. Where our society is getting more crazy, more ludicrous, more unscientific. The, the, the agenda in society when it comes to um, gender, when it comes to finances, when it comes to n- nearly every avenue of life, it, it's not biblical. It's not good for our children. And we need to be parents who know how to stand up for the truth so we can secure our, our, our children's destiny and future. And the church is going to become more and more unpopular. Unpopular. We need to be able to stand up. And sometimes Jesus says, if they won't listen to the church, then you put them outside the church and you treat them as a tax collector and a Gentile. Because the worst thing for someone in those days is to be outside the church, because there's no salvation outside the church. You've got to be part of the family. Our day and age, if I don't greet someone, they leave our church. Now, hopefully they'll go to another church. Sometimes I really don't mind. Some people, anyway, I'm not a good pastor like your pastor. That's it? just sometimes when I hear some people go and say, "God bless that church," but listen, there's not only one church. There's lots, lots of great churches. But I want to tell you, Jesus. Now, how did Jesus treat the tax collector and the Gentiles? He was always honest, he was always truthful, but he was never judgmental. Never. He loved people on the outside. That's what made Jesus so attractive. Why do you think crowds followed him for three days without food? You can't even come to a pro-day meeting without something to eat. <laughs> but they followed Jesus for three days without food. That's how beautiful he was. And everyone was attracted to Jesus. Beautiful. Where was I? Oh, Matthew 80. Matthew 80. All conflict resolution and accountability in the church should always be a process that is Bible-based, grace-filled, prayer-saturated, the goal of which is always restorative and never punitive. And it's never one person. It's a team that makes the decision. We should not be surprised when we read about churches and leaders in churches who are being disciplined or fired or resigning, we shouldn't be surprised when we hear that there's some failure in the church of Jesus Christ, and we hear about it on social media, we see it in series. we see it on YouTube. Listen, human failing was apparent in the early church, and they didn't even have social media. Paul writes to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and he tells to the leaders to stop being, uh, how to deal with a person in the church who's being blasé because they're sleeping with their father's wife. The church has always had to deal with fragile human beings and that's never invalidated the church. I want to tell you, that don't listen to all the stats out there. The church is dying, there's less attendance in the church. No, no, no. Um, inherited religion. In other words, people following the religion of their parents or going to their parents' church is dying out. But, uh, uh, but, uh, uh, but, but religion or faith that is a choice is growing. The church of Jesus Christ is growing like it's never grown before. So don't let people tell you the church is dying out. It's not dying out. Religion's dying out, and that's a good thing. But the church of Jesus Christ is growing in from glory to glory. Amen. Every church, every family, every business, every organization has to have values and processes that enable them to deal with those who defy and damage the people and the entity, whether the entity be the church, the family, the business, or an organization. Yet in cancel culture, any dumb person with a smartphone can decide to individually be the judge Prosecutor and jury and cancel another person or group of people and they have access to publish their self-righteous accusation, their victimizing verdict on social media to shame, to ostracize and to cancel those that they disagree with. Many times with devastating consequences. I've heard on a number of occasions, teenagers at school, in high school, getting cancelled because they use a word in a presentation or a speech and one student gets offended who then starts a campaign to cancel that other student. There's no process. There's no mature perspective. There's no objective, rational thinking. There's only subjective emotion. And suddenly there's group bullying, there's cyberbullying, and many are driven to suicide. Self-righteousness, victimization, and demonization is at an all-time high in our culture. I'm not speaking about the church now. I'm speaking about the society that we live in. Paul writes in Romans 12 and verse 10, Honor one another above yourselves. Peter writes in 1 Peter 2.1, so get rid of all evil behavior, be done with all deceit, lying, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Because we have access to social media and to the internet, everyone is an expert from their phone or their laptop. What a crazy world we live in. Matthew chapter 7 Jesus spoke about judging people, let's go there Matthew chapter 7 listen to what Jesus said, judge not that you'll be not judged for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged and with the measure you use it will be measured to you, why do you see the speck or the splinter that is in your brother's eye but you don't see the log in your own eye or the tree or in my case the forest in your own eye well, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck or the splint out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. This is Jesus, eh? This is Jesus, eh? He speaks, you know, you hypocrite. Oh, that's judgmental. That's name calling. Jesus calls it as he is. First take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye when Jesus said, judge not, you know, a lot of people don't know the Bible and say, you can't judge me because Jesus said, judge not. No, no, no. No, no. You don't know your Bible. Don't quote what you don't know. When Jesus says, judge not, does he mean that we cannot evaluate? We can't show discernment? We can't have judicious wisdom? No. Because even the apostle Paul says in Galatians 1.8, if someone else, even an angel from heaven, preaches a different gospel... To the one we preach, let them be accursed. Oops, that's a bit strong. Jesus himself said later on in, in, um, in Matthew, he said, do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls to the swine. Well, if you have to, you need to make a decision. You need to be judicious. You need to make you need to exercise evaluation and judgment. Jesus he said, himself said, Beware of false prophets. Who come from Job. No, he said, he said, beware of false prophets who come in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Don't, don't listen to every banana who's got a white jacket and a Bible on YouTube. Just because he says he's a pastor or a reverend or an apostle or a left reverend or a right reverend doesn't mean that you should listen to him. Listen to great preachers. Find out from your pastor who you should listen to. I think you should listen to people like Joseph Prince, Stephen Furtick, Craig Rochelle, Robert Morris. Don't listen to every banana who's got a camera. Beware of false prophets. That means you've got to show judgment. The word judge here in, 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 in Matthew 7. The word here in the Greek is krino. It means harsh, self-righteous, censorious, hypocritical judgment that pretends to know the motive of a person, a person when it's really you don't have all the facts at your disposal. That's the thing about being able to find the speck or the splinter in someone else's eye. When you have a tree or a log in your own eye. The difference between a splinter and a log is that it's the same substance, but a different size. You see, the reason why we can see a splinter in someone else's eye is because we've got a log in our own eye. It's easy to see the faults in you when the same faults run in me. Can you see that? We become judgmental when the sin I so easily see in you lives in in me. That's why I can see it. It's the same substance, but a different size. In 2 Samuel 11 and 12, we have the account of David, the king of Israel, and, his, and Bathsheba. And it says, in the time when kings went to war, David didn't go. He's out of place. He wasn't following God's call for his life, but he's king. He could make decisions. Sometimes you get to your senior and you, you're the main man. MMW, what counts? And and, and David decides not to go to war, and he sees Bathsheba having a bath over his balcony. I don't know why she's bathing outside anyway. And David, who's very wealthy, he has many wives. He takes the wife of Uriah the Hittite, the only wife of Uriah the Hittite, to his chambers that night. Because he'd ordered, ordered some cologne on take a lot, when he could have taken any of his wives, invited any of his wives up to his chambers. The Bible says that David was very wealthy and he had many wives. Now that's just a miracle in all on its own. He was wealthy, get it? you? And he had many wives. I mean, how do you? I you mean, know, just boggles the mind. But but he was the king. That's why he was the king. He was the king. You know. Listen, I'm happily married. (laughs) So David commits adultery with Bathsheba. He gets Uriah the Hittite killed. Nathan the prophet comes to David and he says, Listen, we've got an issue here. I need your wisdom. There was a rich man who had many flocks. And there was a poor man who had one ewe. And this family, this man, this poor man with his family, they loved this ewe. This ewe was like, the Bible says it was like a daughter to you. Like this ewe sat with him at the table, this ewe lamb watched TV with him. This ewe, it was just everything. Now, the rich man entertained a guest from a faraway country, and the guest wanted to have a spit bride. And the rich man, instead of going to his flocks, he went and he took the little ewe lamb that the family loved from the poor man, he took it away, and he, and he bribed that ewe lamb for his guest. David said, surely that man shall die. And Nathan says, you are that man. Now sometimes you sit in church and the pastor's preaching and it's you. You read your Bible and it's you. He says, you are that man. Why was David so angry that the rich man had to die when the Bible says if you steal a sheep, you have to return it fourfold? The reason why David was so angry that the sin that was in the rich man was in him. The speck in the rich man's eye was a log in David's eye. We find it so easy to judge, and cancel people because the splinter in them reminds us of the log in us. John 8, last scripture. And... Um, Maybe the band can come up and make me sound spiritual. We need the Holy Spirit to move right now. You know, John 8, um, the Bible says that the Pharisees came to test Jesus. And they threw a woman before him who was um, found in the act of adultery. She was caught in act. You remember that scripture? I don't know if you remember that scripture. Where they found this woman caught in an act of adultery and they threw her before Jesus. And they said, The law requires us to stone her. What do you say? Now, my question is, where's the guy? I think the guy was a Pharisee and he was still pulling up his pants. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you read the Bible like that. You know, that's how I read the Bible, you know. I can't tell my grandkids' Bible stories because my imagination's too wild. So there's a Pharisee pulling up his pants. So Jesus says to him, that he who has no sin, no log, cast the first stone. And then the Bible says, Jesus wrote in the sand. Maybe he's doing noughts and crosses. I don't know. And then you just hear the feet of Pharisees leaving. He says to the woman, where are your accusers? She says, there aren't any. He says, nor do I condemn you. Jesus said, I forgive you. Therefore, go and sin no more. See, Pharisees say, sin Religious people say, Pharisees say, sin no more and maybe we will forgive you cancel culture says sin once 20 years ago yesterday sin once and we will never forgive you Jesus says I forgive you now the power and the love and the grace of my forgiveness will empower you to live life differently and sin No more. See, I think when we fall in love with the one who loves us, we'll realize that Jesus loves you now as much as he will love you in a million years from now when you are perfect in heaven. So you think you need to be perfect or better to earn his love? No. There's nothing about you that can make Jesus love you any more than he loves you right now. And the magnitude and the unconditional nature and the beauty of his love for you now is the same love he will have for you a million years from now when you're perfect in heaven. That love is your love right, here, right now in Jesus' name. How good is our God? Oh yeah. Listen, in this church, when someone claps, we all clap because we are not making par on the ninth. This is much better than making par on the ninth. So, can can we not have a golf course clap? Can we have a proper church clap? Come on! How good is that, God? He loves you, you better. I'm a bozo and He loves me. God causes the most dodgy people into ministry to try and keep them out of prison. That's what God does. He calls the most dodgy people into ministry to keep him out of prison. We've got to read our Bibles for ourselves. We've got to read our Bibles to preach. We've got to read our Bibles all the time. We'd be in prison otherwise. (laughs) True story. See what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees would have stoned her if they could. But they couldn't. Jesus could have stoned her because he was perfect and sinless. Jesus could have stoned her if he would, but he wouldn't. That's the difference between Jesus and religion. Let's stand in God's presence right now. Why don't you just position yourself to receive Holy Spirit's comfort, Holy Spirit's presence, Holy Spirit's revelation of the Father, the Father's love for you, the Holy Spirit's download of who jesus is to your heart right now right now if you're in this place and you've been trying to control others and you've been making judgments and you've been making definitive remarks maybe you've even gone as far as bullying others to get your own way then won't you just say lord i want to change I want to repent. The word repent is just to change your mind, that's all it means, just to change your mind. Change your mind about who you think God is. Change your mind about what you feel about yourself, your identity, your disappointments. Change your mind about other people around you and stop being a bully. Stop becoming gracious, kind, forgiving, patient and the world doesn't revolve around you so you don't have to spin it anymore. For those who have arrested control, who have manipulated, who have bullied, who have been overprotective, anxious, overbearing, overwhelming, I release you right now to relax and receive the peace of God in Jesus' name. Receive it right now. If God forgives you, you can forgive you. If you can't forgive you, you're not better than God. So who do you think you are? Receive the forgiveness that comes from God right now. Just breathe, take a deep breath in. And breathe out and say, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. If you've been on the sharp edge of a controlling parent, of judgmental people, whether it be in the church, or in life, or at work, Maybe you've been forced to do things you never wanted to do. Maybe you're the one that you feel like you were thrown in front of Jesus and everyone's always pointing fingers at you. Maybe someone took advantage of you. They bullied you. They hurt you. They took something from you left a wound in your heart a scar on your soul right now that damage that abuse that pain doesn't define who you are you're a child of God you are loved by God you believe in Jesus you're the righteousness of God in Jesus even though unrighteousness and wickedness has affected you or come from you you're not defined by your sin your mistakes your hurts your past your disappointments your regrets your pain you're not defined by that so be healed in jesus name online be healed in jesus name be healed right now receive the healing of the Holy Spirit right now. Just turn your palms towards heaven as an act of receiving Holy Spirit move on every person right now and fill them with your Holy Spirit and bring healing to their hearts right now. I was gonna call you forward, but I just said, stay where you are, but receive what God has for you where you are right now. Receive it. Receive that healing in Jesus' name. Yes, you've been betrayed. Yes, you've been canceled. Yes, that divorce shouldn't have happened, but that doesn't define you. You're a child of God. Walk tall, live large. Be who God made you to be. There's healing happening in people's lives, in people's souls. There's healing happening in people's bodies right now. I bring every sickness, every disease that is limiting you, that is causing pain, that has uh, followed you for years, every diagnosis I cancel it in Jesus name because Jesus who was whipped on the whipping post who died for us on the cross by his stripes I declare you are healed right now in Jesus name receive your healing walk in your healing praise Him for your healing even before you see it or you feel it walk in faith walk in all God has for you and if you're in this place or you're online and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've been to church a couple of times, trying to fit in with these crazy people, dodgy people. But listen, you don't have to fit in. you has just got to believe in Jesus. You've never said yes to Jesus. If you don't know in your soul that if you die this afternoon you go straight to heaven. If you want to have that assurance that your past is forgiven, that your future is secure in God, that God has a plan for you in His His Son Jesus, that the Holy Spirit wants to live in you and through you for the Father's glory. If you want to say yes to Jesus, whether you be online or in person right now, just raise your hand right now. Just raise your hand and say yes, I want to say yes to Jesus. And I want to say a short prayer for you and help you pray a prayer that will secure your commitment and your belief and your love for Jesus just raise your hand right now is there anyone just raise your hand right now awesome anyone else anyone else right now there's one hand in the front is there another hand online is there someone else in the middle or the back just raise your hand right now say yes to Jesus we're gonna all pray this prayer for my brother and then I want you to go and see Pastor Milo afterwards and he's going to help you in your journey. But let's all pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, come on, let say it out loud. Lord Jesus, I come to you and I declare that I believe in Jesus. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And from this day forward, I believe in Jesus. I believe that you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. And I believe you're coming soon. So Jesus, I will follow you all my days because I'm a believer from this moment on. I'm no longer a sinner. I'm the righteousness of God in Jesus. I'm a righteous brother. I'm a righteous sister. I belong to you, Lord. So Lord, I will follow you all my days. Thank you for my new life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give it up for our brother here? Give it up for everyone that prayed. their prayer if you pray, They pray online in Jesus' name.